So, with that said, are you guys ready to hear the word today? Okay, if you're ready, say amen. Very cliche, right? Yeah, everyone says that. Um, okay, so today's word is going to be simple, but please stick with me. Uh, it's from John. If you have your Bibles or your online Bibles or whatever, turn to the book of John, which is in the New Testament, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 20, and then we're going to skip over 25 to 30, okay? So John, chapter 4. I don't hear it. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone has their iPhone or something, right? And so John chapter 4, and if you don't have a Bible or not even a Bible app, you can look over at a neighbor or you can listen to me because I'm going to be reading it out loud, okay? And so John chapter 4, uh, we're going to start from verse 20, I mean verse 4, 4 to 20, okay? And then we're going to do 25 to 30, okay? So verse 4, it says, Now he, he being Jesus, had to go through Samaria so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as he did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed the water i give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and have to come here draw come here to draw the water again and he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband so what you have just said is quite true Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Skip over to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their, their way toward him. Okay? Um, okay, so this is a long passage. I just read it to you, right? I'm going to dissect it for you, so don't worry about feeling lost, okay? So we're going to go through this passage, and I want you to try to get a revelation of maybe what God is speaking to you or even how this passage relates to you personally, whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus or not. Um, I really believe that this passage is easy for people to be, uh, to relate to. Okay. And so Jesus, he stops at the well, okay. At noon. And it's at the heat of the day because he's so tired from his journey. And usually women, they all travel in groups together. And back in the day, they would go earlier in the day. But this Samaritan woman, I don't know, maybe she had a bad reputation. She was actually known for a sinful past. She's a Samaritan woman, and Samaritans, their race was a very hated mixed race, okay? And so 
she actually got water at a separate time of day. It was like a really odd hour and where usually women don't get water, right? And then Jesus comes up to her and says, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman is pretty shocked because she's like, why would you even talk to me? Like Jesus, like Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan woman. And back then Jews and Samaritans, they actually hated each other and they didn't want to do anything, you know, with each other. So she was actually really shocked. Okay. She was like really shocked. And, um, she was kind of like, okay, I can't believe, you know, she didn't even know that was Jesus at the time, but she's like, I can't believe this Jew that he would talk to me in public at this hour. Right. And so, uh, but Jesus didn't really care. He, he actually really doesn't care, right? When you're, when you're talking about the gospel, you don't see any race. You don't see any color. You don't see any background. You don't see any sinful pattern or past or whatever it is because the gospel surpasses it all, right? And so Jesus didn't care, and he still talks to her anyway. And so the point that I want to make to you in this portion right here is that Jesus meets us at wherever we are at, okay? So sometimes we have this mindset that we need to have everything together, Okay? everything together and we're like you know i do this too i'm like god i'm not gonna read the bible until i have time and yeah like a year goes by right and i just like don't have like i never have time if i don't make time right and so like there are many many times where i feel like we're surprised that god would even want to talk to us because we're like this kind of person or because we're dealing with this kind of sin pattern or because we're like you know this kind of background or like we suffer from this kind of anxiety or like whatever right and i feel like we just feel like we need to get everything together and then you know and then we can go talk to him or it's like Jesus, I'm not going to come talk to you. I'm not going to let you come talk to me until I have everything straight and everything is perfect and everything is ordered. And then, and then we can talk, right? I don't know about you guys, but in college, um, I used to hate it when, like, in my apartment, um, like, friends would come over and I'd, like, be sleeping or I'd have makeup on or I was, like, in my pajamas. And I, like, I hated it because I felt so insecure. And I was, like, no, like, you know, you don't, don't come. Or, like, you know, run to the bathroom, like, while they're watching TV or something like that, right? And I was, like, you know, I just felt like I wasn't prepared already, right? But Jesus is that friend that he would look at you with glasses, retainers, like, whatever, and, like, in what kind of natural kind of face, right? And he would still accept you for who you are. He would still want to talk to you. And he would still want to hear about everything that you have to say do you guys believe that are you, are you saying that you really believe that right you believe that jesus can talk to you at any time of the day at any state that you are in he doesn't care if you're in depression he doesn't care if you have a sinful past he doesn't care if you don't even know him because he wants to know you and he wants to get to know you okay and so this is the parallel part right here right just as jesus encounters a samaritan woman she has no idea who he is she doesn't even know that he is jesus she just knows that he's a jew right he knows exactly who she is. He comes up to her. He meets her at where she is at, okay? And so moving on, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is basically saying, if you know who I am, if you even knew who I was and who you were talking to, you wouldn't even talk to me and ask me about water, just any kind of water, but living water, okay? Everyone say living water, Say it one more time. Living water. Okay. So living water. So 
So, so many times in our life, even when we talk to God and we, you know, have that relationship with him or like we, we go to church or whatever, I feel like we sometimes limit ourselves and we ask about such little things. It's like, God, can you heal my pinky? But it's like, God, can you not heal my body? Like, why, why just the pinky, right? Do we even know who we're talking to? Doctors can heal pinkies. God can heal the entire body like in a second, right? Or like, God, can you save my mom? Can you have my mom meet you, Jesus? Why not just your whole family? Why just your mom, right? If we just knew who we were talking to, I feel like we'd be asking for big things because he's a big God that is capable to do anything that we ever ask him, right? And so even with this, I even want to challenge and encourage you guys. As you're coming to God and you're in your prayer time, ask him for big dreams. He's a big God. It's too easy for him. Even our biggest dreams and everything that we would have ever could even imagine, he could do far greater than that, okay? And so even with that, I want to challenge you. All that stuff. He, he not only takes you out of depression and hardship, he takes you out of that and he places you in the depths of his joy, Okay, that's the kind of God that he is. He doesn't just do step one. He does so much more for you. Okay. Okay, so Jesus made um, the woman immediately curious, okay, by talking about this living water. And then, like, seriously, this living water, right? And it's like, who is this Jesus that is talking about living water? And what exactly is this? And the woman might have thought the living water was something actually alive. Like, does it bubble up from the ground? Or, like, what is it, right? And that she doesn't actually have any idea what it is. And so two things that I want to tell you that the living water does, right? Jesus is living water, okay? By the way, it's not actual water. I hope you guys just know that. I'm going to explain to you what it is, right? Uh, What is this living water and what does it do? I'm pretty sure it does so many things, but I'm going to list two from this passage, okay? The first thing is that his living water will never have us thirst again, okay? Never have us thirst again. It's true satisfaction, So in verse 13 to 14, which is like my favorite, it basically says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst, and indeed the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay? Meaning that whoever takes the water that Jesus gives doesn't really want to have anything else. Nothing else really satisfies them anymore. It's all kind of like whatever, right? And so if you give him all of your desires and your needs and everything, if you give him everything and you allow yourself to take in what Jesus gives you, you won't really see yourself satisfying like, and desiring. I mean, you won't really see yourself desiring for more, okay? And sometimes what happens is that whatever things of the world or whatever things that even you yourself, you want to actually fill in for your own pleasure or satisfaction, you will actually find yourself wanting more, okay? And you actually will never be satisfied. But Jesus says here in verses 13 to 14 that whatever water he gives, that we will never, ever have to look for anything else ever again, okay? And so sometimes when we're thirsty, we can drink anything and it'll satisfy our thirst, but we have to really be careful by what we take in, okay? Because God actually gives us this inner thirst and desire for him and him alone. But if we start to satisfy with other things, then it's like, obviously, we're going to be more thirsty. It's like you're, you're so thirsty and then you drink Coke. Have you guys ever done that? Like drinking carbonated drinks when you're really thirsty, it's probably one of the worst like warm carbonated drinks, right? But it's like, it actually makes you more thirsty. It closes up your throat almost, right? But then when you drink water, like, it just like, it's a, you could just drink it forever, right? Gatorade, pokari sweat, whatever, right? All those things, okay? Um, and so kind of like uh, something I want to do share, a personal thing of mine, right? The way that I really related uh, to this part right here about Jesus' living water, like, 
literally just, it just satisfies every part of my life. Um, I actually didn't get that memo when I was young, probably when I was like, I think around 12 years old. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my personal story, which I think some of the staff and student leaders already know. But uh, basically, like when I was young in middle school, I had, uh, I had no, I actually grew up with a lot of uh, guys. I grew up with a lot of guys. Uh, I have a brother, sister. Me and my sister were the only ones in a group of guys. In church, there are many guys. In, like, school, there are a lot of guys. In my neighborhood, very, very quaint town in, like, Virginia, a lot of guys, but really, like, no one else, right? And honestly, I didn't really think anything of it. I thought, you know, I was like, guys, girls, we're the same. I just had no idea, like, what even romance was. Um, I had, I wish I kind of went back to that stage, if I think about it, because, you know, sometimes you just get stressed out, like, when you're, like, in a new environment. Oh, my gosh, it's, like, opposite sex overload, and then you just feel like you need to act a certain way or whatever, right? I had no grit of that. I had no game. I had nothing. And so I was just kind of like, I didn't really see them as guys. And so then one day, or like, I forgot what, what yeah, it was like one of the days, uh, all of a sudden, I started getting like attention from some of my guy friends. And so even when they told me that they liked me, I was like, what are you talking about? I, I, didn't even, I actually didn't even know what the concept, I actually didn't, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, I like you too, but as a friend, or like, I actually had no idea what that even meant. Like, oh, I like you, Eunice. I was like, oh, I like you too. And we're at a retreat, a church retreat. And then, like, I think one of my guy friends and two of my guy friends said it, and this one guy from, like, Maryland. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, whoa, what is this, like, new concept? What is this? And then, um, so basically, that turned into uh, episodes of relationships. Like, you can, you know, like, use that analogy with thirst, if you will. Like, I just, like, went one after the other, like guys after guys after guys from different states, from different churches. It was really bad. And, um, yeah, I think in my church, my guy friends joke that I dated every one of their friends, uh, which I did. But I think, I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, honestly, it was like five guys. That's not the whole church. So I don't really count that as the whole thing. But, um, yeah, so I kind of did that. And, like, because I, I realized that I was getting attention and then I liked it. And then um, not only with guys, but it was with people as well. So I realized that with people, like, you know, they just started to like me, right? I sound so conceited right now. But I, I have to use this as context. I hope you guys understand. Uh, there's a story and a moral behind this. Uh, so, like, yeah, so they would, so, like, I realized I was getting attention from people too. And that girls are getting jealous and I was like, what did I do? Like, why died an innocent, right? And, um, yeah, so I was getting, like, all this attention from people and from guys. And that just carried on from 12 years old to, like, 23. I don't know. Gosh. Like, maybe, yeah, after college. Like, after I graduated college, it just kept going. It got worse. I would just date uh, a guy after guy. And then I would just, uh, I had to be in the center of attention. Like, but, but the worst part was that disgusts me was that I had a lot of false humility. You know what that is? It's like... You know, like, Eunice, like, come to the stage for a skit. Like, you're the main character. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to. But then I end up, like, doing I love it. And I end up, like, loving the attention. That's, like, a lot of, like, what I did. And so, like, I, I was like that until I came here to Korea. And then when I came to Korea, uh, I had just broken up with my last boyfriend. I was still dating him here. And then God made it very clear to, like, not date him anymore. And then uh, I made a vow to just, like, not date anymore like I didn't want to and I wanted to actually go back to God I was in a very bad state very backslidden like um I didn't I was just really broken and when I first came here about five years ago but I really wanted to go back to God but when I was trying to go back to him and by going back to him I mean like having a relationship with him and going to church and actually enjoying it again and like not feeling ashamed for what I did all those things um 
I like realized I had nothing to give him and that the heart that I had was the one that's being tossed everywhere from guy to guy. And so like I realized I had nothing to give him. And um, so I made like a promise uh, back in 2012. I remember I made a promise about five years ago saying, God, I'm not going to date anybody for a year and um, until I get back with you. And I was so proud of myself because it's like an alcoholic saying, I'm going to be sober for a whole year. Like that's how hard it was for me. And if I wasn't dating, I was thinking about somebody. And if I wasn't thinking about somebody, I was like imagining about someone. And like, it was a really, really big issue. And then, so that, that actually, I got a lot of healing, like just really uh, going back to God. And I realized I didn't know who I was because a lot of the guys would tell me who I was. And so finally, when I went back to God, I realized I found myself through him. And that's how I really grew my relationship with him. And then with people, that didn't change until a little bit later. I think like a year, year later after that, I was sitting down at New Philadelphia Church, just getting ready for worship. And all of a sudden, and back then, I couldn't really hear like an inkling of what God was telling me. Like everyone would talk about, I hear God, I hear God. I never heard God at the time. But I really felt like I heard God at that time. And I felt like God was saying, Eunice, your people are your God. And I was like, what? God, I would never do that to you. Like, my people are my God. And he's like, yeah, you care more about what the next person thinks than what I think. And actually, you fear it more, and you praise it more, and you love it more. And that really confused me because I was like, God, I would never do that to you. And then I realized that it was actually really true, that I was really uh, worshiping the words that my friends were telling me, that my, my, my other you know, peers or my leaders, and I, and I cared more about what they would say than what God would say. And so I really had to fix that. I really repented. And I realized that um, I was satisfying my, thing, my thirst with other things. And what we need to know is that whatever drink you take to satisfy your thirst that is not God becomes your God, right? So for me, in my case, it was guys and then it was people. And it was one of the most torturous things because I had such the fear of man. Uh, and I was such a big people pleaser that I didn't want people to hate me. And it was like a, a gripping fear of like, is that person talking about me? Um, I'll walk into a small group or I'll walk into like a group of people and I would think everyone's talking about me, like the littlest things. So I'd have to be everyone's best friend so no one could talk about me. It was really exhausting socially. And then it was really exhausting just in general. But the moment this fear broke off and I realized that, man, like, like I don't have to be like other people. I don't have to act like what that one person wants me to act like because I really felt like God was saying, like, Eunice, just be yourself and just be who you are. You know, kind of like what David led in prayer, right? He's just himself. No one's trying to impress nobody in here, right? Hopefully. And like, you're just, you know, like, I was just trying to be myself. And the moment I felt that way, that's when I was actually like, oh my gosh, like, I could actually, you know, completely be myself. I, I can actually, I'm not insecure anymore. You know, back then, I used to hate public speaking. I used to hate public speaking. Oh my gosh. And like English classes, I'd have to do public speaking and I like, I, I just, I can't even imagine the fear, like, which probably some of you guys might actually experience in your classes right now, like the fear that I felt when I would have to speak in front of people, right? Now I could do it anywhere. And the reason why I could do it anywhere is because I know exactly who I am. And I'm not apologetic for, like, being up here and, like, talking to people or whatever. And I used to be so insecure when I would meet people. Like, hi, my name is Eunice. And now I'm just like, you know, hi, my name is Eunice. Like, man handshake or whatever, right? Like, just, you know, I will just be myself. And I realized that it's okay to be me. And that some people might like me. Some people might not like me. But I don't care. And so I think that's the freedom. It's like, I don't care. I don't have to be everyone's best friend. Because God is truly satisfied in who I am. 
right? And that's like the freedom that I had. And I realized that people were no longer my God, that, that guys were no longer my God. I've been single for five years, guys. That's disgusting to me. I'm sorry. Like, okay, I can't say it was recorded. I forgot. Um, okay, well, my past self says that that's disgusting to me. My true redeemed self says that's awesome because I'm going to get married. That's my next boyfriend, right? Um, but really, because like, I think for dating for like, 10 plus years to being single I felt like Mother Mary I was like oh my gosh like this is it's actually really liberating because that's when I got really close with God because I actually started to realize like who I was right and so yes all right the second thing that Jesus living water does is that it not only satisfies our thirst but it actually gives us life okay turn to your neighbor and says it gives us life Uh, yes yes good please say it in a life Meaning life, not a lifeless way, but you get what I mean. I ran out of adjectives. Okay. Um, So it gives us life, okay? So in our daily life, it's okay that other things give us life. Don't get me wrong, okay? There are things that give you life, right? Uh, Actually, turn to your neighbor and just ask them, hey, what what brings you life? Just anything, like people, like candy or like whatever, right? Did you guys get answers? What kind of answers did you guys have? Internet, Wi-Fi. Oh, we are so in Korea. Huh? What else? What? Eating. Yes. Anyone else? Sports. Awesome. What, what, what? Doing fun things with good people. Oil painting. I'm glad that brings you life. Oh, my gosh. Jason, what? Oh, Jason, you deserve a cookie. That's awesome. Oh, so good. Okay, yeah, I think for me what brings me life is I love music and I love movies and I love nature. Like, it, like I, there's nothing like sitting in a movie theater watching a really good movie with friends. That's what I really like. Or there's like nothing like listening to music. Or I love nature. Like, I grew up in the country, so I love campfires and I love camping and hiking and I like being outside. And that's why it kills me sometimes being here in the city. And I have to kind of get out of Seoul because, like, you know, there's, like, nature out there, right? So it's okay if these things give us life. I'm not telling you to turn to your neighbor and be like, oh, marijuana gives me life or, like, you know, drugs or, like, whatever, right? All those things. That's where I hope conviction comes in, right? And so all those things, you know, that's the problem when other bad things give you life. But it's okay that hobbies or whatever that they bring us life, right? And so it makes us come alive. And what Jesus wants to say in this passage is that the life that we have from him is that it's, it's eternal, okay? It's not temporary life-giving things, but it's eternal life, okay? And it's the kind of being alive where even if you're struggling to feel alive, you can't struggle to feel alive because when he gives you life, there's, like, no room for depression. There's no room for, like, slumber or sluggishness or complacency or any of those things, right? And I think it's, like, it's very supernatural, and you'll feel carried by him. Like, that's how much, like, when he gives you life, like, you feel a lot of strength, okay, through that sense. And um, a little, another short thing is, uh, this is actually really recent. Uh, during winter break, I don't know about you guys, but breaks throw me off. Like, I love resting, but, like, I think I like it too much that I start to wane down on my relationship with God, okay? I'm a campus director. I- I'm publicly apologizing, confessing that it was pretty bad. Like, spiritually, it was, it was really bad. Like, during um, winter break. 
Uh, I'm okay now. I'm, I'm fine now. But it was really hard. Like, I was struggling. I was feeling alone. Uh, I didn't want to go to God. It was like the weirdest thing. I didn't want to read my Bible. I was only reading on Sundays when, when I was told to flip to the chapter that we're going to talk about or whatever, right? I just, I literally felt dead. And the hardest part of that was, if you guys don't know, in New Philly Church, um, like, I have to go up on stage and I have to share about life-giving things. And so I would literally, like, right like right before I would go up there, I would have to, like, rev myself up and be like, okay, okay, you could do this. Like, I had to, like, try to practice smiling because I wasn't smiling the entire week. And, like, yeah, really, like, I hope no one listens to this New Philly. But, yeah, it was just, like, it was really hard. And I struggled a lot giving praise reports and, like, call to worship like these are all happy things guys if i led prayer on like serious topics like north korea i could do it but if you're telling me to smile up there to celebrate other people's stories when there's nothing to celebrate in mine it was one of the hardest things during break or like it was one of the hardest things even during last semester at times when i had to share like about all these life-giving things to go up there and smile and be happy for other people right and to do that but I had to really pray, and um, I, I, like, so, you know, like, a couple months ago, I was like, God, like, I have to do this. Like, Amaze is starting. Like, it's going to show. Like, if I'm not good, like, it's going to show. And so, like, I really tried to, um, like, I had to, like, force myself to, like, to pick up the Bible, to pick up, like, these are, like, easy things. And, and I couldn't, I think, like, the enemy was just really trying to take away my joy and just the way that I uh, was trying to get closer to God. But, like, it was hard. Like, I didn't want to do anything. And I felt very detached. And finally, like, I just, I just did it. Like, one day I was, like, I just felt grace to do it. And I, I like, read the word. I started reading consistently. And I started, like, you know, praying consistently. And then I, I literally felt like my insides, like everything changed. And like on Sundays, even though everything in my life was crashing, I felt like during that time on stage when I would give praise reports, like I was genuinely happy because I had the joy of the Lord. I was genuinely happy because, you know, like for no reason. And that's the thing about God, like the way that Jesus, when he gives us living water, like you have no reason, like no circumstantial reason, but you're happy and you're joyful. And like you can't even help but to be joyful. And like you don't even have to try, but you will be. And that's, like, how crazy it is. And I actually felt that. And I, and I feel like I'm still feeling that now. Like, you know, like, how all of us, like, we're cold and we came here, we're freezing. And, like, you know, like, there are definitely a handful of people that could have came out, but they couldn't make it out today. I have every reason, probably, to be like, man, we're at a deficit, deficit, like, whatever, right? But I just feel so joyful because I'm so thankful that God is giving us a remnant of people who are still coming out on their cold Tuesday nights in the midst of trying to get scheduled classes or whatever I heard you guys say, right, earlier. But I just think it's amazing how, you know, God is so good. Like, he's that kind of God that gives us joy. And that's why even having a large group on Tuesdays, I know, it's one more church service. I just had church on Sundays. Like, oh, I have to have on Tuesday. And then I have to go to small group on Thursday. And then I go back on Sunday. Like, all those things, right? But what a privilege it is, right, to take a midweek breather and to come into the presence of God and just to, you know, you might have had the worst Monday ever. And then you come in and just even be thankful that, wow, I get to go to large group on Tuesdays and then feel refreshed again, right? Like, that's the kind of joy. That's the kind of life that God brings. Amen? Okay. So before we even get this living water, uh, the woman, the Samaritan woman, going back to the story, she wanted this living water and she wanted it now. So she, like, heard about it and how great it was. And she goes, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty. So I don't have to keep coming back here to this well. It was for her own convenience and she wanted a quick fix okay sometimes we're like that too right 
it's like, oh, I'm like, you know, struggling with like whatever. I keep saying depression. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with fear and anxiety, frustration. Oh, like, oh yeah, I can go to God. God, can you fix that? God, can you do that for me? God, can I bring this to you, lay it down at your feet? And can you just take it away? Like, we just kind of want, like, this microwavable, like, fixed, like, instantaneous kind of, like, relationship with him. And then we bounce, right, when we get what we want, right? That happens. I'm guilty of it, too. And, like, it does happen. But sometimes, yeah, we're too eager to do that. But in order for us to really receive what God wants to give us, we need to make room in our hearts to receive it, right? How do we make room? Okay? I'll tell you how we make room. So it says here, the woman says, okay, so when, when she asks, Jesus, can you give me water? Uh, this living water, he goes, go and call your husband. That, that was his response. Okay, the reason why he says, go and call your husband is because he knew about her past, okay? So she, she says, I don't have a husband. And he goes, you're right, you don't have a husband because you had five husbands and the man you're with is not your husband, right? He just calls her out like that. And then he was like, so what you have said is actually true. I mean, dang, like he just like, he was like, it was like supernaturally he knew it and he called it out just like that. I mean, he called out, her sin patterns, like he called out her past, the things that she's struggling with, the things in the hidden place that nobody knew about. He called it out for what it is. And he gently did it. He kind of like did it in a sly way. He didn't say, you're committing adultery. You're living with someone that you don't like. No, 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 whatever, right? But he did it in a very gentle way, okay? Notice that word. He gently exposed her sin, okay? In order to make room for him to come into her, okay? For him to really bless and just to really give her that living water so that when she actually gets it, she gets it in full, okay? And so, like, there was so much more to marriage story that Jesus knew about, okay? So Jesus brings that up, and then she tries to change the subject on him, okay? When I was reading this passage, I was like, why is, uh, why is she talking about, like, prophets and, like, the mountains and, like, it's like verse 20-something, right? But she tries to change the subject because she doesn't want to talk about her sinful past, okay? Uh-oh. How many times when Jesus is trying to point something out in our lives, do we try to change the subject, right? That's happened so many times to me in prayer. I'm like, God, like, da, da, da. I'm like praying about something, and God gives me this thought, hey, you have to repent for this. And I'm like, I just totally ignore him. And I'm just like, oh, but God, this, this. And like, I feel like so many times, and even now, I'm speaking to some of you here today, that God is nudging at certain things, maybe like trying to open you up or something, but it's like you're trying to change subjects or give him excuses and being like, no, like I'm too busy, I'm not good enough, like I'm too lazy, like, you know, I, I'm good just the way that I am, like all those kinds of things, right? But I want to ask you, like what sins or what, um, not even sins, trauma, like, what struggles and hardships are you going through right now that Jesus is gently trying to open up? But, like, are we changing the subject on it? Or are we actually trying to respond and allow him into our lives, right? What we need to know is that Jesus loves us too much to let us go through that, okay? He loves us too much to let us continue being thirsty. But he wants to really satisfy us and the thirst that we have, right? He doesn't want us to go to the world for it or go to ourselves for it and try to come up with the, these self-made like man -made solutions. But he loves us so much that he wants us to go to him because he knows that the answer and the reason is him, okay? And so you know, all the slump, the bad thinking habits or life patterns or whatever that we picked up during winter break, whatever that you guys left back at home, uh, wherever you guys are from, like, I want to really ask you, like, are you really changing the subject or are you supposed to be dealing with certain things right now, right? And so, you know, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, this is the beginning of a semester. There is so much grace at the beginning of anything, okay? And what I really had a burning desire on when I was preparing for this was that I just want people to have a fresh start, 
okay? Whether you guys have, um, you got, whether you guys are close to God or like far away from God or anything like that with God, I just really heard the word encounter, encounter, encounter the whole time, right? If you don't know what this word really means, it means, definition dictionary says, to come upon or meet with, especially unexpectedly, okay? How many of you guys came here today because maybe your friend forced you to or because, you know, like there is room and you're just going to check it out and like you don't really know if you're going to make it consistent, which is fine. It's whatever you guys really, you know, uh, whatever you guys feel. But really, like how many of you guys came today and you're like, okay, let's just see what happens or what this is all about, right? But just for God to ex- unexpectedly encounter you, right? I want to see people, by the time they leave this room, just to open up their hearts and give God a chance. And just to be like, you know, seriously, I might sound crazy to you if you don't have a relationship with God. And that's completely fine, okay? I am crazy. I'm crazy for God, right? And, like, that's fine, right? And I may, I may, I may sound crazy because all I keep talking about is God, right? But it's because I just want other people to experience, like, what you know, me and, like, my fellow staff or other people, students in the past, like, what they have experienced. And, guys, the reason, it's been five years. I've, I've been doing this for, like, 2000, end of 2010 until, like, now, right? And it's been, like, almost five years. And, like, really, if someone were to ask me, why do you keep doing this? Like, why do you keep spending your life and literally giving up a paid job to do this full time? It's because I can sit there and talk to you at a cafe and tell you story after story and testimony after testimony of so many students coming up to me looking like like real bad, right, in the very beginning of the semester and leaving totally uplifted to the point where they're on fire and then other people around them, whenever they go back to their home universities or their hometowns, are like, what happened to you? Like, you're so different. And then those people, they would come to Korea and they want to join Emmaus because they saw the change in that person, right? And, like, I've had so many people who came to Emmaus and they're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I really don't know why I'm here. I think a friend dragged me or, like, I just, like, found myself here or, like, what do you mean you found yourself here? Like, I feel like, you know, God, God just brought you here, right? But I just want people to just give him a chance, really. Because if I had not given God a chance back five years ago when I was at the worst state of my life, I, don't, I would never be here today. And I can honestly say that God saved me. Like, he really saved me again, right? And so that's the kind of encounter that I'm jealous for, for everybody here, right? It starts with people here in this room. And whether, like, you're open or not, I'm not the type that I don't want to force you. Like, I actually, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to beg you, right? It really has to be you that, has, that does it, right? And it's okay if you're the step-by-step kind of person. It's okay if you're, like, the instantaneous person. But, I, like, like what I said, right? The Samaritan woman had all these issues. She wasn't ready. But Jesus, he met her exactly at where she was. He didn't force her to, like, come. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll go up to you if you just come, like, this much. He didn't say that. He knew exactly who she was. He knew her past. He knew everything about her. He knew the things that she never told anybody. But he still chose to approach her. He still chose to encounter her. And, like, at the end of the story, it says that she was revealed. Like, she was, her eyes were revealed. And that she found out that Jesus, the Jesus that she was talking about, was the person she was talking about face to face. And she was so excited that she drops her water pot and she runs back to the village and tells everybody about him, saying, look at Jesus. He is the one that knows everything that I did. And she was so convincing that those people went from the town went to him and they were convinced. That's how much she was on fire after that encounter with God. That's the kind of encounter that God can give you to put you on fire, right? Can I have Johnny up here? And so with that said, right, I think the word encounter is something that I'm just like, I just, I just keep hearing it, right? I just keep hearing it all over the place. And so uh, I want to invite you at this time 
yeah, you can hit side. I'm going to invite you at this time, right? Um, I kind of want you to just, like, you can close your eyes. You can envision it whatever way, right? If you're, like, an imaginative person, think of yourself as the Samaritan woman, man, whatever you are. Uh, think of you as that person by the well, okay? And I just want you to just, okay, whether you're new to this or not, I, I don't do this every week, guys, okay? I don't tell you to paint a picture in your mind, but... Whether you are like, you know, you have no idea what's going on when it comes to God or whether you know exactly what's going on, uh, whether you've had a relationship or you've, you know, been at the church or you've been with God all your life or like this is completely brand new to you. I'm speaking to all different backgrounds here. Right. And that really I declared that during the, the word that I gave just all different backgrounds. But whatever it is, I really believe that God wants to encounter hearts today. Okay. And so with all eyes closed, I just want to give you guys this time. This is between you and yourself and possibly hearing or trying to get an inclination of what you feel like God is trying to tell you, okay? Whatever feeling or whatever it is. And um, I just want us to start off right and to start off on the right foot.